Turn it up. Get ready. You're tuned in to VO Buzz Weekly. Weekly. The show where aspiring voice actors, established VO pros, and curious fans alike get to meet and learn from the mega successful talent in voiceover. Hear their personal stories. Find out how they became so successful. Learn their secrets and join them at the top. And I'm Chuck Duran. Welcome to another awesome episode of VO Buzz Weekly. That's right. And ladies and gentlemen, we have Fred Melliman on the show today. It's going to be a fabulous show and you're going to love it. Absolutely. He's wonderful. Before we go to Fred, though, we just wanted to say thank you to all of you who've donated so generously to help support VO Buzz Weekly. It really means a lot and we use every single penny to help bring you a better show every single week. Absolutely. So, those of you that are interested in donating that have asked us, Mm -hmm. you go to the support page on VOBuzzWeekly.com and you can click donate there, a one-time donation or a recurring donation. Absolutely. Every penny is a penny that we can use. Absolutely. And we really, really appreciate your support. (laughs) So, thank you. Absolutely. Let's go talk to Fred right now. Our guest has been working in voiceover, film and television, and theater for decades. His comedic chops shine in shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm and The Crazy Ones. He gives an Oscar-winning performance in A Serious Man and in the Lake Bell indie feature, In a World. He does it all, he does it brilliantly, and we are so ready to get buzzed with the incredible Fred Melamed. Yes, indeed. What a... Put it there. Florid... Congratulatory introduction. That is very, extremely kind of you. I well, appreciate it's all it. true. It was, it's a pleasure to do it. <laughs> you are you. so talented, and I was such. It was such a joy. Yeah. Just to read about you and absolutely. And, and you're a fellow New Yorker, so you know I. Gotta, I am. It's I nice am. to have another New Yorker out here in LA. You, you notice so. we're both wearing black. I know. Yeah, I know. You guys are the always old, wearing black. Yeah, the old joke. We it's were, a little we're warmer. Black. Uh, here than in New York right now. It is, especially now, yeah. Yes. We, yeah. we chose yes. the right year to move out yes. here. Yeah. We moved out here in May, my wife yeah. and my two boys and I. After many, many years of being an actor and a voiceover guy in New York, it's mm-hmm. a, well, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, at more length. Of course, we have questions for you. It's yes. a different thing. So, so don't answer anything until yes. we ask it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and if... <laughs> so bossy, Fred. Yeah, it's and true. if we forget to ask you something, then you can talk all you want. <laughs> Terrific. All right? Um, the, the cool, one of the cool things <laughs> is that we met Fred uh, for the first time in person a few months ago with, yes. uh, at our good friend, uh, Joe Cipriano's. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and we had a chance to talk to you, and you were such a nice guy. You know, you guys can't tell this because well, we're Well, but up. we've also, we've loved your work as well because we're huge Curb fans. Absolutely. And serious Man, I mean, the whole thing. So then it was like, oh, wow. You know, but then, we you thought, know, sometimes everybody doesn't translate. No, we thought we were going to talk life, to Fred and so. go, hey, Fred, and he would be like, uh, yeah, who are you? That's- I don't want to talk to you, but he wasn't. You were so you were so cool and so nice. And then we said, "Hey, man, we'd love to have you on our show." And he's like, "Vo Buzz Weekly." I know it well. I'd love to I be know. on the show. Yes, I like, discovered it wow. and I enjoy it. I watch it. I see people Thank that I've never you. people that I've heard, but that I've never seen them. Yeah. And I've never heard them talk about what they do. I find it really interesting. I really do. So cool, man. Well, we know that you are unbelievably swamped. You're traveling all over the place, working all over the world. He is. Don't tell him. 
We'll tell you, he'll tell you different, but it's true. Um, and uh, and we know that you know you took time off to come here and, and, and share with us and all of them. So we really appreciate. It. Thanks, yeah, man. Thank it's you. my great pleasure, too. Beautiful, beautiful. So what do you say we get in there and start asking some questions Let's go. here? Oh, he's picking up the card when he reveal. picks up the card. We're going friends. to reveal <laughs> your life. Out. Oh my God! So check this out. You uh, you're a classically trained actor by way of uh, uh, Hampshire College and Yale School of Drama, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, how did you? Give us a little bit of that background, and then how did you find your way into voiceover? How did I fall into the gutter? How did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you the truth about that. We want the truth. My, I come from a sort of a showbiz um, background. My father was a TV producer mm -hmm. in New York, and he produced very old shows that you're probably not old enough to remember. Like, he produced a show called Car 54, Where Are You? Mm -hmm. It's an old, old-time comedy show, and... And uh, uh, the Sergeant Bilko show. These are, you know, the early days of TV when it yeah. was a lot of TV was done in New York. So I was kind of around that growing up. And he had a few friends, close friends, uh, who were announcers. And in those days, they didn't say voiceovers. Yeah. There was a particular very close friend of his, this guy, Ken Roberts, Kenneth Roberts, who was the father of Tony Roberts, the mm -hmm. actor who you okay, may know. Okay, yeah. Okay. Who was, who, who was in his day a very, very, very well known. Uh, announcer and also became a voiceover man when that kind of transitioned. Mm -hmm. There was another guy called Joe Silver who lived on our street. He was an actor. He was the voice of Smokey the Bear and, okay. mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Alan Swift, who you may know was for the yeah. Fred Flintstone, a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. guys. Anyway, so I, I knew people that you know were actors and some guys that did a lot of voices. Um, so I knew about that. But I decided I wanted to be an actor. Uh, I went to Yale Drama School, as you said, mm -hmm. and I had a strange... Uh, sort of trajectory out of there. I went after I got out of Yale, which is 1981, as a graduate program. So it's an MFA mm. program yeah. after you're already out of college. Yeah. So uh, in 81, I got out and I went uh, to a theater called The Guthrie, which is in Minnesota. And then I was on Broadway in Amadeus, the original old mm -hmm. American, first American production of Amadeus. Yeah. And I was in that for a long time, for like six, on uh, tour and on Broadway, yeah. for like 16 months, mm -hmm. a very long time. Wow, that is a long tour, yeah. yeah. And midway through it, I started to get very, very severe stage fright. Wow. Very. Just all of a sudden? Well, pretty all of a sudden. I mean, I'd always, mm -hmm. I, I'd always had some degree of, I mean, yeah. all people do that perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah some of course. Degree. But it went from uh, that excitement place to that paralyzed it, kind of yeah, place? Yes, it, it got so severe for me wow. that it took, about halfway through the run, about eight months into it, it took every ounce of courage and of discipline that I had to just get my ass to the theater. Wow. Seriously. And I began to feel very bad about it because, A, this <laughs> was a play that I really liked. Yeah. And I had to resort to drugs and other things to just get myself through it. And I had, you know, here I had trained to be an actor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people said, don't be an actor. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll show you. And there I was on Broadway. I had this gig yeah. on Broadway. And I couldn't handle an eight-show week. And I thought, this is awful. This is terrible. What am I going to do? You know, yeah. well, I, wow. I can't handle being an actor. That is so, a lot of shows, though. It is, but, I mean, that's what I set my... I think my, that might be yeah. Yeah. stage fright, <laughs> too. Well, but you'd think, you know, some people in a long run relax. Yeah, right. exactly. And they, they feel comfortable and, and they get great, very creative. Mm -hmm. With me... I like the rehearsal. I, I love being in films. Films is like rehearsing. Yeah. When you rehearse, you discover things, you try things. It's an at, there's a kind of a, um, I don't know, there's an ease to experimenting and trying things. For me, once the audience came in, this is just me. Yeah. For me, once the audience came in, 
uh, that period, that that way of looking at it became much harder to, to engineer. I had to be somewhat mm -hmm. artificial about that. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So after that, and I said to myself, I have to finish this run. If I don't finish it, oh, yeah, I will never, really feel, I'll yeah. feel like a complete <laughs> That's loser. not going to help, yeah. It's horrible. So way I, to power through, Fred. Right. Yeah. So I finished, and then I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah. And it so happened that I had an agent who was quite big in voiceovers, an agent called Harry Abrams, yeah. who was all these well, years well, later yeah, still, still my agent. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, you know, I was always told, people said to me, you have a nice voice. And while I was in college, I had a side job working at a classical uh, radio station to make money. So I had some experience as a, as a classical DJ, mm -hmm. right. but very limited. Which is very, very yes. mellow. Right, yeah. right. So by working in this classical radio station, I also learned a little bit about production. Right. And at that time, it was before digital, so it was all cutting tape and oh, razor blades, all that stuff. Yeah, scary, scary stuff. Right. <laughs> Although at the time, it seemed okay. Yeah, yeah. For me, that stage fright. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. All that stuff. Those razor blades. So uh, I knew about voiceovers, and I knew that if you were successful at them, it was very lucrative. It was a lot of money to be made. Yeah. So I said to my agent, uh, you know, I'd like to, I want to go and start doing voiceovers. And he said to me, well, let me tell you something. They don't want voices that are sonorous, beautiful voices. They want voices that cut through. That's mm -hmm. what they want. Right. I said, well, just give me a chance. So he said, okay. <laughs> so I, went, I started auditioning. And in those days, this is in New York, of yeah. course, uh, there was no such thing as a home studio. No, you right. went, you schlepped around to the various ad agencies yeah. uh, and you did your auditions. So kind of right out of the box, within about a month of starting, I got a really big account. I got uh, Conoco Oil, which at the time was a big yeah, oil company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then within about a year, I got Mercedes-Benz. Nice. And I was a kid. I was only, a, when I say a kid, I, mean, I was maybe 26 or something. You were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> he loved that. <laughs> that was great. But uh, Did I they give you a free car? They didn't, but actually, yeah, okay. I did. I did stuff for a dealer, and I did work out a deal. Okay, there you go. That's I did stuff for dealers, saying. and they gave me a great deal on my car. <laughs> Not free, but that's fantastic. So, so the you point got of some pretty this, big things right away. I did yeah. when I was, and, and I was lucky that I, you know, I kind of got stuff right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you, as you've probably heard, as people at home have probably heard, there's kind of two main avenues that funnel people into voiceovers. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is coming from a radio background, sure, mm -hmm. like our mutual friend Joe, Cipriano, yeah. who was on the radio for years and years. Mm -hmm. uh, other friends of mine, Bill St. James. He's an East Coast guy. I don't know if you know him, Bill mm -hmm. Sanchez. Yep, but don't. Uh, well, we other people, Bo many, many, many people. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there are other people that come from the acting uh, sort of side of things, right. like me, other mm -hmm. other people. Exactly. Any, anyway, so I started making, you know, significant money for a young. I was not married. I had no responsibilities. It was, you know, mm -hmm. it was great. <laughs> but um, I lost my desire to compete as an actor. Mm. Especially since I'd had this, you know, very tough experience. Yeah. Uh, and I just continued to do that and kind of, there were a couple of casting directors. Uh, there's one particular woman called Julia Taylor who was Woody yeah. Allen's casting director. Yeah. Who liked yeah. me. And uh, if a movie would come up, uh, I wouldn't audition. I did, a, I did seven Woody Allen films. So she would just say, yeah. well, Woody has a thing. He wants you to play a psychiatrist. Are you interested? It's four days. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah, great. 
as long as I wouldn't have to audition, it was just it was a gimme. It was a, yeah, an yeah, offer, yeah. a straight offer. So that was so I continued to do a little <laughs> bit of stuff like that. I got spoiled. Well, I was going to say a little spoiled bit, brat. A little pampered, Fred. Yes, that's, my that's goodness okay. gracious. But I, but I paid a significant price. You yes. did. You did. Well, we Even didn't want you stressed out, so this is good. This is good. It was, but but that continued. I continued to do nothing but voiceovers, ex with an occasional parenthetic appearance in a Woody Allen mm -hmm. film or yeah. another, but small little things, for twenty years. Wow. For a long, long, long time. Long time. Yeah. Uh, and I and I, I sort of spread out a little bit in the voiceover world. Um, in New York, where I'm from, it's a much narrower field than it is here in California. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All the uh, television production, not all, but uh, the vast majority of entertainment television production is done here yeah. as our movie trailers. Yeah. Really, the only stuff that's done in New York is advertising, that is commercials, mm -hmm, both sure. radio and TV commercials, and then promos, but only promos that cover news and sports, yeah. which right. tend to be headquartered right. in New York. Yeah. So all the entertainment promos, which is the vast bulk of what's done in the promo world, is done here in yeah. California. So it was a, a, a much more defined, smaller pool of work and a smaller pool of people that did most of the work yeah. mm -hmm. in New York. Exactly. So, and I came at it um, as an actor uh, trying to kind of always not violate the boundaries of what's real in what I did. Yeah. So I wasn't a person, I, I would, you know, not do a lot of characters sometimes, but usually um, things closer to a real person. To what, yeah. To yeah. your But own. to a real person with a kind of authority or a kind yeah. of, you know, a, a person with a certain style that's, that suited my voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, that went on for, you know, many, many years. Yeah. And uh, just to sort of come to the end of this, yeah. I wound up getting married rather late. I got married at 46, then I had uh, 42, and then I had children at 46. And right after I had children, there was a very massive shift in the voiceover world, at least in New York, yeah. and probably mm -hmm. here too, yeah, yeah. where they started wanting real people. Yep. And I haven't sounded like a real... Not that, not that you weren't a oh, real no, person. I haven't been a real person in 20 since years. I'm, right. For, now since, you have to be a real since person. I was eight years old. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been real. So, and because I had been a fairly visible player in the world of voiceovers for many years, mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden I found myself, like, on the sideline yeah. very, very much. Wow. Yeah. And okay. then by that time, yeah. I had kids, yeah. I had, um, you know, a whole different yeah. view of things. Yeah, yeah, And I thought, oh my God, this is horrible. You know, here, I, yeah. and prior to that, I had been the voice of, C I, for seven years, I was the voice of CBS Sports. Mm -hmm. I did you the Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. yeah. I did the, the Super Bowl, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unlike advertising, that's uh, a guaranteed uh, mm -hmm. amount of work. Yeah. Uh, I had that job at CBS for, you know, quite a long time. And human nature is you think it's going to go on forever. Yeah. Never. At least yeah. my experience. Yeah. yeah. So there I was, uh, suddenly, uh, with almost no income. And two little kids, and one of them is, and and with autism and very serious stuff, and you know, like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And about six months into that, I get a call. I'm at home. I live in Montauk, New York, which is out in the east end of yeah. Long Island. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting home with my wife, and my wife answers the phone, and she says to me, "Do you know a Joel Cohen?" Oh. I'm thinking like Joel Cohn. Is that like a? Sounds like an accountant. <laughs> Joel. I said Joel Cohn from Joel and Ethan Cohn, the Cohn brothers. Joel Cohn. Yeah. Yes. So, mm. And I knew them a little bit yeah. because I'd gone to school with Fran McDormand and John Turturro and all mm -hmm. those guys that were sort of part of their yeah. retinue. Mm -hmm. So I said, yeah. 
So it was Joel. He said, hi, Fred, how are you? Mm, good. He said, we've written this film, and there's a part in this film, this film's called A Serious Man, uh, and there's a part in it, we just have the feeling that you'd be very good in this part. Are you interested? I was like, let me look in my book. Um, uh, let me see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'll be right over. Well, yes. let me tell you something, Cy right. Abelman. Right. I mean, come on. So that was a, a stunning a very, performance, my Thank gosh. you. Yeah. I, that was such a great oh. uh, experience. But anyway, that brought me back into being a regular actor again. And I was mm -hmm. 52 years old when yeah. that happened. So I've had a strange... Um, checkered yeah. career. Yeah, man. Yeah. You had this nice tangent, and so. But when you're doing film and television, do you feel it's relaxed? Yeah, you don't have. Yes, do I don't feel. Mm -hmm. uh, I partly because I'm older, and partly because I don't. I've gotten to the point where I don't. I view it differently. Right. I don't view people as judging me. I view it as a piece of work, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's better, and sometimes it's. I mean, I care very much about it. Right. Sure. But it's a piece of work, and it can be changed, and it's not me. Mm -hmm. It's something that I do. It, yeah. yeah. And things can always be altered. Right, So right. I, don't, I try not to um, get into the thing of feeling like it's this desperate representation of me that then they're going to pass judgment on. Exactly. And if you do it enough, yeah. um, you become somewhat hardened, not hardened, but inured to that kind of... Uh, you know, sensitivity, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With voiceovers, one of the great things about voiceovers, from my point of view, was I always felt very free behind a mic because uh, there's no visual representation of you. You could be yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah. You could be handsome, you know, romantic guy. Yeah. You could be a evil character. Yeah. So, to be honest with you, uh, I've never been thrilled with the way that I looked. Uh, oh. Well, I mean, it's handsome. the truth. Well, that's kind of you to say, um, but you know, if you're an actor, yeah. uh, you sort of have to make peace with that one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So um, I always like the freedom that uh, you get from being a voice actor. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting. I never had a great mimical ability. I can do some voices, but I don't have a great ability to do that. I have friends, guys you probably like Toby, Toby Hoots, sure. I'm sure you know, and other yeah. people who can do that and also can create great characters. Um, but the to me, the really magic people uh, are not just mimics, they have the ability to create new Absolutely. characters. I mean, that, yeah, that's uh, yeah. extremely uh, impressive to me. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, you think of, if you think of the, the Mel Blanc days. Oh, gosh. All those characters. From one guy. But not only that, those were, none of them were imitative. Those are all no, things that those were yeah, made original. up. Yeah, 9,000 exactly. people can now do very solid imitations mm -hmm. of those characters. Yeah, exactly. But he made them up. I yeah. know, I know. Yeah. And, and such a great, like, yeah, yeah really, really fantastic. Well, I think that's interesting, you know, because especially in Los Angeles, sorry, you know, you always get that female perspective of, you know, the industry isn't kind, the on-camera industry isn't kind to women after a certain age or a certain body type. Yep. So I think it's interesting to hear from a male, men's well, perspective. I do think that's true. And I, th I think, frankly, as, as is discussed in uh, the film that you mentioned, In mm -hmm. a World, it's not particularly kind to women either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's tough to be a woman uh, in either milieu, honestly. In the yeah. world, too! Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's a, there's a certain truth to that. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, kind of, kind of know that going into it, you just have yeah. to deal with it, however you do. Yeah. And I mean, as a, especially as a dancer, mm -hmm. that's. I mean, I have many friends oh. that started. You're never out, good enough. You're like, yeah. hi. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, and they've had to. I'll go back and try. It. Yeah, you're always having to find your inner strength because. <sighs> no, Absolutely. it makes the entertainment business seem down. kind and lovely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's very, very, very yeah. tough. And many yeah. friends of mine who were still, by my standards 
very able, very young, very beautiful, mm -hmm. have had to invent second careers and second yeah. lives for themselves because yeah. of the way it is. You yeah. Know, yeah. It's part of it. So let me ask you something. You, you, you still audition for voiceover jobs, correct? I do. So, because you're a thinker, and I can already tell that you're, you're a thinker. So, so when you get an audition, mm -hmm. I mean, now you have a home studio. You have the luxury of auditioning at your own home. I've had but, one for 20 years. I was the first guy on the know, East Coast which, to have which one. Which is really cool, right? Because in the old days, you couldn't do that. Now it's like, oh, yeah, I'll just walk over here. Right. Um, but when you do get an audition, what's your breakdown? Like, what do you do? Do you, do you overlook at it? Do you read all the direction of 50 times before you go in and read it? Or do you not think about it and just do it? And, you mean the spec, the direction? On yeah. The, uh, I always read it. Uh, and I decide, um, I, I do my best to take it into account, but I don't necessarily um, completely let it dominate what I do. Okay, mm -hmm. good. Uh, I still try and give them something. It's a, there's a great quote from Chekhov who said, um, you have to bring the people to Gogol, you can't bring Gogol down to the people. <laughs> you have to, and, yeah. and very often, especially in advertising or yeah. promotion, People have an idea, but they don't know exactly what they want. They have kind of a, an amorphous idea. Yeah. And then they'll hear somebody and they'll go, ah, oh, that's mm -hmm. what I want. Exactly. So what I try and do is always, and this applies to auditioning of, uh, of every stripe, auditioning both in acting and for voiceovers, make a very clear, specific choice about what I'm going to do, stick to it fully, and, and evaluate it based on how, how fully I did it, plus right. the other technical considerations you have yeah. to worry about. Yeah and then hope for the best. But if you give them something strong, if yeah. it's not perfectly right, yeah. it'll be right for something else, yeah. mm -hmm. and they'll say, well, there's a guy that has a sound that has, see, one of the things that I believe in, especially for people that may be new to this, that isn't stressed enough, I think, in the lessons that people get is, yeah. it's very important to educate your ear. Your ear, mm -hmm. yeah. Not Absolutely. just yeah. your ability to yeah. um, produce sound. Yeah. What I mean by that is, to listen critically to stuff. Like when I used to work with students, I, would, I, would, I taught in New York at a, at a college. I would tell them, get a, a, a VCR or a you know, DVR and record 15 or 20 hours of television, cable yeah. television mm -hmm. and network television, and do the opposite of what people ordinarily do, which is fast forward through the shows and listen to commercials and the promos. Absolutely. Right. And, and he, listen to what styles, not what styles you think you can do. No, no, no. But what Let's are the ones done. that, what are the ones that like get to you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, television is noise. We tune it out. We're accustomed. It's, it's noise. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to tune it out. But once in a while, somebody's style mm -hmm. breaks yep. through. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And, of course, it's different for different people. Why? Why does somebody somehow get to you? Yeah. Sometimes there's a, there's a reality to it that seems more vital. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's a drama to it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's something else to it. Now, yeah. of course, they have to do that in concert with whatever the person wrote. Right. You know, the right. writing has yeah. to suit yeah. that. But my way of looking at it is, okay, I'll get a script, I'll get a spec, and read it, and then I make a decision about how I want to do it. And... My attitude is that there's a subtextual message in every commercial. In yeah. other words, mm -hmm. the words say what they say. Yeah. And I didn't write them. Somebody else did. But within that, beneath that, there's a message that I'm imparting, and that's up to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I try and be as clear in my own head and as thorough, real and now. thoroughgoing yeah with that yeah. as yeah. I can. Yeah. And sometimes what I chose doesn't work very well. It doesn't mesh with the thing that's written well. Mm -hmm. And then I try something else. Mm -hmm. right. it does, so I'm, I don't try not to get too married to it. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But sometimes I'll choose a different thing and that will work great. I'll give you an example. There used to be a commercial on television for Dove Bars. Remember Dove Bars, those chocolate mm -hmm. bars? Of course. 
And Delicious Le Dove bars. <laughs> right. And it was a very simple copy. Uh, it, it, the visual was they showed you a piece of ice cream on a stick mm -hmm. and this very luxurious, sensuous-looking chocolate, liquid chocolate, was being poured over mm -hmm. it. Right. And I think Kathleen Turner, the actress, was the voice that they used. This is like 15 yeah, years ago. Yeah. I so. And I, don't, I can't remember exactly what the copy was, but it was something very, very simple, you know, about dev bars. Yeah. But the message was, and I remember it clearly, that you got was, whatever else is going on in your life, your children are screaming, you lost your job, whatever mm -hmm. else is going on in your life, this... 10 minutes that it takes you to eat this Dove bar, or three minutes if you're me, <laughs> <laughs> this time will be perfect. Yeah. This time there will be nothing in your consciousness mm -hmm. that uh, will get in the way. Yeah. Whatever else is going on, you can count on this product to make life worth living. Yeah. Now, you might say that that's a sick message. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is the but, message. But that, that is, is the message. message. Yeah, that is chocolate. the message. That yeah. is chocolate's right. message. So that, so that's what I would. That's the way that I would approach. I, okay, so here's my script. Here are the words. Now, what's my message beneath the words? Mm -hmm. Ah, that's very yeah, good. Yeah. Nobody's ever really that's very hit cool. that little area yeah. there, which is yeah. so true. So true. Very well, cool. but I mean, you, you're a writer also. Yeah. So in addition to your amazing acting career, clearly you're bringing your acting chops, your writing chops into your voiceover. Career, wouldn't you say? I mean, well, it's sort yeah, of layered I mean, in there. Yeah, your, I mean, I have I have an appreciation analyze. of I have an enjoyment. I mean, some Does people it help enjoy having yeah, that background. I think on one hand, it can make you a little pompous and want to start correcting everybody. Yeah. But the other side is, if you dig the words, if you have, you know, you get a pleasure. It's like music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you get a pleasure from them, and then you know that part of it's good. Yeah. yeah. But then sometimes it, you know, there are things that bother you if things are written poorly. Poorly. Sometimes yeah. things can be written. <laughs> Grammatically, okay, yeah. mm -hmm. but they're not pleasing yeah. to the right, ear. Right, right. Like yeah, no, exactly. one would, no one would talk like that. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, you, you ha it's a cooperative thing, so you do, right. the, do the best you can. But, what, right. you know, the important thing that I think of to myself is be clear in what the subtextual message is and then rip. The great, the great late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman mm -hmm. said, uh, everybody knows that if you're a good actor, you have to commit fully. Yeah. Question is, commit to what? Commit yeah. to what? That's the question. You need to find the thing that you need to commit to. Right. And but then when the time when the my attitude is as an actor, when the red light is on, well, that's it. And when I say well, I don't mean go crazy. I mean be full. Yeah. 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 Be that's full. Good. full. I like that. So Fred, we want to talk about the wonderful film, your Lake Bell's award-winning film. In a world now, how did you get involved with the project? Um, it, uh, it was a lucky thing that just I backed into. Um, I was in New York, uh, and my agent said, uh, "Do you know who Lake Bell is?" And I said, "Well, I know her name." I said, "Oh yeah, I have kids, and they watch Children's Hospital. Oh, I know mm -hmm. who she is. Yes." Yeah. So he said, "Well, Lake Bell came to my office. This is in New York. Yeah. And dropped off a script for you, and she wrote a handwritten note to you." So I said, really? So he said, yeah. So I came to, to his office, and I picked it up, and I read it. And this note was a beautiful handwritten note saying, I don't know if you know who I am, but my name is Lake Bell. I've written this script, and there's a part in it, the part of my father, which, you know, you can read. And I just have this feeling that you'd be wonderful in this part. Please consider it. And if you would consider it, let me know, and let me know what you think of the script. Right. And I read it, and... 
it, I couldn't believe how good I thought it was, yeah. especially because she was like 30 years old at the yeah. time. Yeah. She wrote it, she was 28. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was so, such a beautiful script, and it happened to be at a, about a world uh, that is the world of voiceover yeah. artists yeah. that was a familiar world to me. Did, was yeah. she aware of that? No. That's this, yeah, wow. So that's cool. See, yeah. that's great. So I, t I, I had my agent call her and said, listen, I really liked it. And da, da, da. So she said, okay, well, I'm going to be in New York. She was living in here in California. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She said, I'm going to come to New York, so let's meet at Soho House, which is the New York one, right. mm -hmm. and uh, we'll have lunch, and we'll talk about it. So uh, we were talking, and she said, I'm so glad you liked it, and we're getting ready. And this was in, like, October, and she said, I'm going to hopefully start in shooting in February or March. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But... I said to her, we were talking like a half an hour, yeah. and I said, you know that I'm a voiceover artist, right? She said, no. Wow. I said, yeah. I spent 20 <laughs> years doing nothing but that. She said, really? I said, yeah. She said, I just thought you had a beautiful voice, and your voice, you know, you would be mm -hmm. believable yeah. as a voiceover artist, but I had no idea that you actually did it. Yeah. I bonus. said, oh, yeah. Yeah. And bonus. That was a huge bonus, yeah. Well, it was, for me, it was, I, I thought it was so funny. I thought that's why she was, yeah. chose me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, she said, no, I chose you because I thought, you know, I liked your acting. I had seen you in the Coen Brothers movie and mm -hmm. some other things. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what a great part, man! What well, a, what a great part, movie. You your part. You play the role of Sam, her father. Yeah. Um, do you? Well, I mean, do you think he's is possible to like him? Do you think he's likable? You know, I, people are different about that. To me, because I've heard differing. You know, people are like, I, oh, but I think you know. Some, I mean, some. I mean, I, he's he's certainly not a good father. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he's not a good father. <laughs> he is not a good father. Yeah. But but I I have known. I mean, first of all, if you have children, and I have children, and I love yeah. my children dearly. Yeah. Mm. But it's a constant struggle between my own selfishness and all the things that I want to do. Yeah. Right. Right. And doing the things that my children right. need me to do yeah. and want me to do. Yeah. And especially in our business where there's an awful lot of me me meism is just mm -hmm. built into it yeah. um there are a lot of people who don't handle that tug too well mm -hmm. right. and there are a lot of people and i've said this before publicly yeah. so i'm not saying anything you know strange <laughs> the bigger the money is yeah the more people look over their shoulders and are thinking like well, this is all going to vanish someday. Uh, yeah. There's somebody going to be better than me, and uh, yeah. how do I keep up my, uh, you know, and uh, it's just part of it. Yeah. When, when there's light work and big money, yeah. uh, it builds superstitiousness and, and, <laughs> and suspiciousness and all that yeah. Yeah. into it. So my character, who's Lake Bell's father in the movie, uh, is one of those people who has always had a kind of a big career, but he's never been the guy. The guy. Mm. Right. The guy right. as everybody, yeah. the guy, right. the late yeah. great guy as everybody knows. Yeah. Um, Don LaFontaine. Exactly. And he, he always lived in Don LaFontaine. He's Don LaFontaine light. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he so, lived in the shadows of Don. Right. Yeah. So when Don finally passes on, yeah. uh, he gets his chance to step up. Right, and he's not. It's not like Ashton Smith, where he's this new, younger guy. Yeah, he's kind of in the Don LaFontaine bag, mm -hmm. and he's yeah. the older mm -hmm. guy. So uh, he's finally getting his chance to shine a little bit, and all that. And then comes, you know, uh, some competitors, and he says, "Okay, well, I'm going to just going to retire at the top." But then his daughter, who is discouraged all her life because he's the kind of person he is, <laughs> yeah, is in the running. Yeah, and he finds that so threatening that he has to prove. Yeah that he can 
top her. Well, we're going to show a little clip from the trailer of In a, In a World, so Absolutely. check this out. Let's face it, the industry does not crave a female yeah, sound. Yeah, Dad, you may be painfully aware of that my whole well, life. Not I don't being mean sexist, that's just the truth. Okay. You should stick with the accents. That's what you're good at. What was that great, that Russian Star Wars thing you used to do as a yeah, kid? Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Please, let me hear it. These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> I just love that. It's so random. Wow, uh, that's cool, man. But really, the big question is, what was it like for you to work with the newest movie star in the business, which is, of course, Joe Cipriano? I mean... Joseph Cipriano. We, we, we went to a screening with, with he and Ann, and, and I can't decide which I enjoyed more. Watching the movie... It was wonderful. And then watching Joe, watching and the movie. Watching Joe, watching the movie. <laughs> going like, he saw it this like is my last chance times. to be in a movie. I have to go. It was yeah. so adorable. Hi, Joey. Hi, he's Joey. out there. We he's watching you. this right but now. It was Absolutely so funny, without but... a doubt. But yeah, he's watched the movie about 80 times. Oh, my gosh. And we kept saying, Joe, how come you've seen the movie so many times? He's like, this may be the last time I ever see myself on film. I'm, it's like, it was so funny. Well, you can't blame him. I mean, first no, of all, and he's very good in it, in my in my yes, estimation. He was fantastic. Very good. And uh, he's, although he's at the top of the heap in the, in the, thing that he does, yeah. he's always kind of shilling for somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So here he got his chance to really yes. step up and be, you know, know. the main guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't, and, and, and I must say, <laughs> he's very gracious about everything. He really is. He is. What a he's super he's a great guy. guy. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, if anybody out there has not seen the movie yes. In a World, you are doing yourself a huge disservice. You can get it on DVD and Blu-ray on Amazon. You can get it on iTunes. And also you can go to innerworldmovie.com and you can get lots more information yep. about the film. But yep. it's, it's a wonderful, because it's so much about family too, which I loved. And just, you know, the relationships and the highs and the lows. And I just thought, I mean, she, she's really done a beautiful yeah. job. It's I'll a tell you a funny thing film. about that. When, when we were making it, Mm -hmm. She was interested, Lake was interested in the world of voiceover because when she got, she went to drama school in England and yeah. then she immediately came to California. And she thought, well, I won't have to wait tables because I have this great voice and I'll right. sort of get to the move to the head of the voiceover industry. And she found out in <laughs> short order that it doesn't really work like that. Right. That in fact the business is set up to keep outsiders out. Right. That's really the way it is. Um, so she found that uh, peculiar and sort of punishing. So she became obsessed with kind of getting to the top of it yeah, mm. and competing with people and all that stuff. And, she, yeah. and she's very, very, uh, she has acute sort of perceptive ability when it comes to accents and sounds. Yeah, and she does. Like that. She's yeah. really good. It was great. The whole, I mean, the whole, it's a great, it's a great movie. Well, that's all we got for part one with Fred Melamed. Be sure to tune in next week for part two. And keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at Leo Buzz Weekly. Take care, everybody. And just remember, you, you always, always have time for a little, little buzz. buzz. Don't just listen to VO Buzz Weekly. Watch the show in stunning HD video at VOBuzzWeekly.com, on their YouTube channel, or on the app. VO Buzz Weekly is sponsored by Chuck Duran's Demos That Rock. Rock. The voiceover demo producer to the stars is now available to you. Visit DemosThatRock.com and take your voiceover career to the next level. See you next time. And remember, you always have time for a little buzz.